Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decode Your Burnout with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today I am joined by Robin Ali Hay. She is a women's empowerment coach, physician coach, speaker, and author. She is a graduate of the University of Kansas School of Medicine. She completed her residency in obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Kansas, Wichita. She's a certified physician development coach and a fellow at the the Institute of Coaching. And if that weren't enough, Dr. Ali Hay also works with a nonprofit that at the invitation of the Dalai Lama provides Western medicine to a Tibetan Buddhist population in the far reaches of the Himalayan mountains. She's currently living and loving in Dallas, Texas with her husband, two longhorn cows, 12 goats, three dogs, two cats, one duck, and several chickens. There is so much to this wonderful lady, and she is here to tell it all, starting with her double burnout stories. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. It's good to be here. So, oh my goodness, what an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) You have such a compelling story. Uh, Even before we get to burnout, I have to ask about all these animals. Wow. We live south of Dallas, and um, I don't know. We just have all these animals. They're, they're kind of like biologic lawnmowers, but they're like pets. I mean, that's we just have a lot of pets. It's a lot of pets. <laughs> My goodness. So what is it like having, I, I can't even do the math, but like two and 12 and three and two and one, like there's just a lot. It's like almost 20 things going on. <laughs> That's, that's I, quite I don't know. a lot. I was going to be a veterinarian um, rather than uh, kind of accidentally became a doctor. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you got, you got a little bit of both worlds in in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, why don't you start us off by telling us about your burnout story? I know you've got a couple of different ones, so you can choose if you want to tell one or both, but you have the floor. Okay. Well, um, I would say burnout first occurred for me in residency. Um, I was uh, in my OBGYN residency and I was pregnant and delivered. I had been doing 100 plus hours of work leading to my delivery. And so I took a couple months off then and went back to it, you know, like as the good good physician that I was, um, just powered through it. 
Um, and then again, when I was about six years out of practice, I just became busier and busier and I wasn't very good at putting down boundaries. Um, so I just basically ran out of steam. Um, and so I had to come up with a, a different plan. Um, so I'm sorry, this is taking me, I'm like going forward in my mind <laughs> with Take your it. Time. Take but um, one of my kids, um, I had four kids, was married to an OBGYN. Um, what could go wrong? <laughs> wow. Ended up divorced, um, back in practice. Um, and uh, one of my kids had a problem uh, with drugs and alcohol. So um, I left my practice to be a mom um, with him. And then went back um, to an area, another area. And so um, that practice got too busy. You know, I thought, well, I'll start all over and it'll be, it'll be good. Um, and that practice got too busy too. And there wasn't the opportunity to say no. So I finally ended up leaving that job again and um, doing locums, which I could control. Um, exactly how many hours I worked. And I did locums at, you know, smaller hospitals and, and really loved that. Um, but that's kind of like the, the cliff notes of my career trajectory, which was um, not, not what I expected. I bet. Like yeah. when you were going through medical school, you probably had no idea it was going to take this topsy-turvy. I had no of- idea. Yeah. And life is good now. I mean, so now I um, coach and as, as you said in the introduction, I work with this nonprofit. I get to get my doctor on in the summers um, to help the Tibetan Buddhist women. Yeah, and that's that's really fascinating. And I'd love to delve into that. But let's first finish up your burnout story. Um, mm-hmm. You were saying how uh, you were working 100 plus hours yep. while you were pregnant? While I was pregnant with my third. Wow. So you already had two kids at home. Yep. You're pregnant with a third. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you manage a hundred hours? I mean, I think for people who don't, who have no kids, right. that, would, that would be a lot. Well, this was before they put, you know, limitations on it, but I, I think the week before I delivered, I worked 120. Whoa. Counting call because I was making up call ahead of time. Right. Wow. So yeah, it was crazy. It was dumb. Wow. Okay. I'm just trying to wrap my head. I don't think I've ever worked 120 hours in a week. <laughs> so I'm trying to wrap my head on like, how do you, how do you have a life? Well, you don't, you know, residency was um, really challenging for me. Yeah. Um, my kids kept me grounded and we had help. Obviously I had a nanny um, okay. and I had parents close by, but yeah, it was hard. It was hard to like generate that energy every morning. I bet you probably weren't sleeping very much. Nope, not sleeping very much at all. And then you have a, a kid, you know, a baby, and you don't sleep very much when you're home. So that was my life. And that's what I thought you had to do. I mean, that's what my residency was telling me I had to do. Mm. Um, but that's that I don't think I ever caught up from all of those hours, honestly. Oh. Can we talk about this for a second? Because I hear this a lot from physicians in particular, and I get that there's this culture 
right? Where, as you said, your residency kind of programmed you to think in this way of you just got to suck it up and do a bunch of hours, right? right? But here's what I'm wondering about. Do you think that there are certain people that are drawn to this profession where they tell you that you have to do this much? In other words, does it draw a certain kind of a person or do you think like all kinds of people show up and then they are all formed by that expectation? Um, I think we're probably um, programmed to be high achievers, perfectionists, um, doing the right thing. And so when you think back to when you were growing up, is that what was modeled for you or is that what was communicated as the expectation and how your parents wanted to kind of groom you to be this perfect person who was helpful and taking care of everybody and giving? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> my father was a, um, a college professor. My mom also worked teaching, but the expectation was that I would achieve a lot, or at least that's what I um, made it mean. Okay. So it wasn't explicit. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. You know, like if I got a B in something, it'd be like, why didn't you get an A? Um, you okay. know, there was being good and being bad and like nothing in between. Okay. So there was definitely that, uh, sort of mentality in the home of you're either good or you're bad. It's either an A or it's not an A. Anything right. else is kind yeah. of like, why'd you get that? Yeah. So it kind of set you up to think in this black and white way in right. the world. And you took that with you. And so there's that. And then it also sounds like your parents were both in the service industry in one way, shape or form. And right. so uh, that was probably also one of the values that you took away of being of service. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can remember, um, you know, we went to church every Sunday and part of going to church was always serving, you know, whether it was putting up the tables or collecting the offering or teaching Sunday school, whatever that was. And uh, I can remember in college um, resistant to going to church because I couldn't do all that. I was too busy. And I thought, you know, I, I'm not worthy of going to church because I can't serve. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So what is, what is the um, belief there? What do you, in other words, are you saying in order to be worthy of something great, you have to serve? Is that well, you, have to, you have to, yeah, you have to serve or you have to work hard. You have to serve and you have to work hard. Right. That's how you get your worth. Yes. And if you can't do that, then you don't deserve a place at the table. Absolutely. That's kind of, that puts it, you know, sums it up very well. Mm -hmm. And then of course you're in an environment where you fit perfectly because there is that expectation for you to serve. <laughs> yeah. And there so is. it was like a perfect match between the programming that you got as a child and what their expectations were for your work. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really good at nurturing. And you mentioned also that uh, you were having trouble putting down boundaries. Mm -hmm. Is that because of some sort of 
mindset around like in other words what did you make it mean if they're asking me to do 120 hours and i'm pregnant with my third kid what would it mean if i said no i can't take on another thing well i mean part of it's the culture of medicine but what it would mean is i'm not worthy okay so it doesn't matter how much you're already doing right it's about being able to say yes forever to infinity <laughs> yes it sounds crazy at I'm any really point <laughs> at any point your worth just goes down the toilet yep if at yeah. any point you have to say no that's it yeah okay so clearly not a very compassionate model <laughs> no <laughs> yes i had a lot to learn let's say but, but i think you're not alone and i think this is why we're having this conversation right is right. there are so many people out there who struggle with boundaries it's precisely mm -hmm. because they believe that they won't have the right to sit at the table, that it takes away from their worth. And it doesn't matter how much else they're doing, that their job in the world is to sacrifice themselves for the greater good, for other people. Their needs don't matter. They put themselves on the back burner. And that is precisely how we enter the land of burnout. Exactly. Exactly. So you learned this the hard way, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that it happened again. But mm -hmm. since then, I mean, you've been doing this for a very long time. Right. So when was the last time you burned out? How old were um, you? Probably 10, 10 years ago. Okay. So obviously something's changed in your yeah. approach. So tell us how you've been able to do your work for 10 years without burning out. I think that is a story worth telling. <laughs> well, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of work, you know, a lot of therapy, obviously, and um, coming up with he healthy boundaries for myself, because the problem was obviously with myself, um, making choices uh, that were sometimes hard, but necessary to be sustainable. I mean, sustainability um, was key. Mm. and being able to, to um, work that period of time. So what is, can you define sustainability as it pertains to being in a culture where you're expected to put in lots of work, mm -hmm. especially for people who have that belief that when they say no, they are losing a piece of their self-worth what would you say now about that? How, how do you define it differently today? Um, well, I would say now that my worth is not my productivity. I mean, I had to, there was a lot of um, therapy and coaching around that, that, you know, I'm worthy just because I am. So yeah. that became clear to me. Um, yeah, which is real important. It's such a difference. And I, you know, I, I think that obviously you hear this message all over social media and maybe it even sounds cliche, but I think it's said a lot for a reason. And I think that if people are hearing this and they haven't yet embraced it or they haven't yet felt it to be true for them, right? I think this is the work that needs to be done. This is the reprogramming that needs to happen in order for you to be able to practice for 10 years and not burn out. Yeah. And you are a living example of what's possible when, yeah. you, when you turn that around. 
Right. I mean, I had to make choices as to how much I'd work, um, where I'd work, um, when to say no, when to say yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I found coaching about 10 years ago, and I think coaching really helped that because it has you examine your mindset. Um, you know, what are these limiting beliefs that you have? And I had a whole pile of them, you know, a huge pile of them. Um, so challenging those limiting beliefs was key to um, becoming a healthy, healthy working mom. Good. I think that's a, a really nice, healthy message for people to hear. Yeah. So um, you've obviously gone on to do other things in addition to medicine. You're doing some coaching now and speaking and writing. And I'm really curious if you can share a little bit about the nonprofit work that you do as well. Well, this came to me just kind of um, by accident. <laughs> Somebody said, we need an OBGYN. And I said, okay. You know, my usual, I'll say yes, but actually I did really think about it, pray about it, talk with my family about it. Um, but basically uh, we travel and it takes a couple days on like rocky mountain roads to get there. And what we had with us is all that we can take and use for Western medicine. So I set up a um, women's cervical cancer screening um, program. Um, that's one of the leading causes of death in India for women is cervical cancer, and they didn't have any screening. And um, so I took my colposcope, which is like a microscope for the cervix, and um, that's what I had to work with. Uh, but it's been really, really satisfying. Um, Tibetan Buddhist people are so wonderful. Um, they're all about compassion and kindness. And um, I always get so much more than I put into it, it feels like. But we've opened this clinic and um, it's been blessed by the Dalai Lama. Um, it's working with his foundation uh, that provided the building. And um, so I got to meet him, which was like total blow your mind because um, he'd always been a teacher of mine and had a lot to do with my burnout story, you know, becoming healthy. So to get to meet him was amazing. Um, but we go every summer now. We didn't get to because of the, the pandemic, but we're going this summer too. What an amazing experience. And, you know, you started out by telling the story and saying how it was by accident. And clearly it wasn't an accident if you've been following the Dalai Lama and then you ended up meeting him. I know it was, it, yeah, it really blew my mind. Um, and to have him come into my little clinic area was hilarious because, you know, you go into a gynecologist um, clinic and there's going to be like, you know, uh, models of breasts to teach self-breast exam and, and models of babies to teach, you know, how to um, do CPR on a baby um, and all the posters of the anatomy and stuff. And he just went tish, 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 you know, he just shook his head and kind of smiled at me. Um, and then bless my stethoscope, which was really sweet. <laughs> so, awesome. I know it is awesome. <laughs> totally awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not everybody has that experience. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Super cool, Robin. But, but you know, it was important um, because it let me reclaim 
um, being a doctor, I think we burn out. I mean, and this is everywhere. There's so much paperwork to everything. Mm -hmm. And you, you spend so little time doing what you really love, which is being with patients or, you know, um, other jobs um, probably have something similar um, that you end up doing all this superfluous stuff so you could do what yeah. you really want to do. And um, so it was really uh, like great to be in a situation where it was just me and a patient in front of me. And, and no that. paperwork. Well, very, very, very little paperwork. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It just shows you, right, how how much excess paperwork we have because of our bureaucracies and exactly. insurance and all these things where the truth of the matter is we have very little real important information that we need to capture. And what would happen, imagine, if we adopted that in our healthcare system? I mean, the amount of paperwork and the time that you guys spend on this stuff would just dramatically decrease. Yeah. I mean, 60% of um, respondents to a, a survey on burnout said that that was their biggest pain point mm. was the bureaucracy and the administrative tasks. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly you've come a long way mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you can share some of the things that have been helpful to you in your recovery so that other people who are currently maybe juggling 100 to 120 hours well, <laughs> plus three kids at home might want to hear well I actually have four kids now but um I really think the work I mean it takes work to um like look at your past and see how it's serving you and how it's not serving you um to look at those limiting beliefs that you have and um examine them um so I, like I said, I found coaching and coaching was just um, really empowered me, which is why I do what I do. Okay. So your first tip is maybe if you're struggling with this, mm -hmm. you're having a hard time setting down boundaries, you're working too hard and you have some limiting beliefs that keep you stuck in this model that you seek out some coaching. Yeah. Coaching or, you know, you're not alone. First yeah. of all, I think that's the most important thing you're not alone this is kind of our society that says work hard to be successful yeah 100 we're not born with this idea As I know. <laughs> it's either you're getting it from your place of work or you're getting it from your parents it's coming from some external source and we're just absorbing it like a sponge and then we think that's how we're supposed to be in this world so we're kind of just like suck it up do mm -hmm. what you got to do even if you're exhausted, you got to give it your all. And it just sucks the life out of you, doesn't it? It, it sure does. And um, I think another tip would be to learn to say no. Like no is a full sentence. Um, and I think we're really bad, especially as women. We're the nurturers. We're the caretakers. So we take on everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so learning to say no is a big part of um, becoming healthy. And do you have a third tip for us? Yeah. I mean, uh, get really clear on what your life is about, like what fulfills you. Um, because that'll buoy you um, to make the choices to do what's important to you as opposed to just showing up every day. And I really appreciate you saying that because I feel like it's when we don't do that work mm 
that we are reactive. So somebody comes along and says, hey, can you do this? And we think we're supposed to robotically just nod our head and say, yes, whatever you wish. And it might not be the thing that fulfills us. And I think that what you're basically saying is give yourself permission to choose what you spend your time and energy on so that you will feel fulfilled and you'll still be of service just in a way that is a win-win. Right. Sustainable. Yeah. And and that's, I think, your word is sustainability. Yeah, it is. So these are are your three tips for sustainability to prevent burnout. Yeah. Robin, this was great. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your wisdom. And (laughs) where can people find you? They can find me at dralley-hay at uh, .com. And you can find me on social media under Dr. Robin Alley Hay as well. All right. Well, we will have all that in the show notes. Yeah. And thanks again for being here. Yeah. You're welcome.